Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. This is our series in the Song of Solomon called An Invitation to Intimacy. These teachings are carefully thought out by Pastor Michael and the subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples. These teachings may not be suitable for young children. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon 6.4-7.10 through 7.10, called Time to Dance Again. We're in the Song of Solomon tonight, which is in the wisdom literature. You got the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon. The content is more mature tonight. So if you're watching at home with family uh, or here in the sanctuary tonight, just a heads up that we're going to be delicate, but there is mature content in the Song of Solomon. So that's where we're at tonight. We're looking at the fifth idyll. The fifth idyll is like the fifth poem or the fifth act, if you will, in the musical theater of the book. Just a a couple of reminders. Uh, We're going to pick it up in chapter 6, verse 4. The interpretation is, uh, there are some considerations there. One is that it is a real historical couple, Solomon and the Shulamite bride, I mentioned to you. A second possibility, it's a poetic couple that's been invented, if you will, by the writer. Let there be light, and there was light. And um, there's also another angle with which we can look at the story, and that is to take the spiritual high ground or get underneath the text and see it as Christ and the church or God and Israel, if you were living in the Old Testament times, Christ and the church in New Testament times. I was reading a writer this week who said that even the Puritans loved the Song of Solomon, but... Oftentimes, people would try to strictly take just a spiritual angle on the book. And sometimes that's a bit of a stretch to do that. But a lot of church history is filled with people who thought, even though the Bible talks about these things and God blesses these things, still had kind of a weird aversion to talking about the physical body, for example, or intimacy within marriage. In fact, at the Council of Nicaea, there was something that they voted on. It was on the table that all the ministers represented at Nicaea would discontinue physical relations with their wives and stop living with their wives. That was on the table at the Council of Nicaea. It got voted down, thankfully. But this is how... In, the, in this arena of intimacy and physical love, there's been confusion even among great theologians, like Augustine, for example, who said that he felt that intimacy was only for procreation purposes, that is to have children, but for no other purpose. And that is just simply dead wrong. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not a good, thorough understanding of the Bible. And while there is a lot to respect from a theologian like an Augustine, uh, he didn't know everything. And neither did the ancients know everything, and neither do modern commentators know everything. And so what we need to do is sit before the Word of God and ask for understanding and discernment as to how we should apply the Word of God. 
So let's, let's pray for that. Father, we pray for understanding and discernment. We cry out for it like we would search for silver and hidden treasure. But more than that, this is more valuable than riches and wealth. Because when we mine the treasure of the word of God, we find the most beautiful, uh, profitable things that life can give us. And they're given from our maker, our savior, our king, our God. And I, and I pray that tonight we would have a good understanding of what you would want us to see from the word of God. And I ask that you would bless our ears, that they'd be open, our hearts, that they'd be pliable, and that we would act upon this word given in love and profitable for all of us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. At the recent National Day of Prayer gathering, uh, which is put on by some members of this church held at Eagle Glen Golf Course, they had a judge this year, and the judge was talking about his faith journey, and he described his faith journey, if, if I recollect correctly, in three stages. One, he met Jesus as his Savior. Two, he came to know Jesus as his Lord. And three, he came to know Jesus as his lover. And it was a little... I guess strange at first to hear a judge, and I'm talking about a sitting judge who's been involved in politics, and he's a, he's from the South, and he has a bit of a twang in his voice and all of that. And he says, this is what his journey has been like. He met Jesus as Savior, Lord, and he's learning to know him as lover, the lover of my soul, the one who knows me best and will love me throughout all time, and the one who loved me so much that he died on the cross for me. Where we are in the book is in the fifth idol, as I mentioned. There's a total of seven, so we're coming to the end of the book. And what we've just seen is this couple, this ideal couple, this young, married, excited couple have their first fight. It's almost like the first scratch you get on a new car, right? You know, you buy that new vehicle, you want a perimeter around it. I remember when I got a Harley some years ago, I no longer have the Harley, but our garage became, you know, there had to be a perimeter around that Harley. And if anything was tipping in the wrong direction, Pastor Michael would let people know about it. You know, that needs to be moved. That could fall into the bike. Don't touch the bike. Careful with the bike, right? Then something happens and you get your first scratch on that car. Something happens and all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, things change. Well, this first couple has had their first disagreement. You might remember if you were with us on Sunday that he came home late from work. He came knocking on the door, but she was already in bed. She had her slippers on, cold cream, you know, you name it. And she said, no, I, I'm in bed. I have a headache, whatever. Um, and she didn't want to answer the door. And we drew the spiritual analogy to Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. And so... He loved her through that. He responded in love. And we learned some lessons about anticipating conflict and how to resolve conflict and how to fight fair and how to fight from the foundation of a covenant and not to threaten divorce and all of these things. And he responded in love and her heart began to pound for him and she pursued him out into the city streets, if you recall. But he was nowhere to be found. He had left and she went out and the the guards of the city beat her up. They took her shawl, they beat her up, and it was a difficult time for her. And she had an epiphany after she describes this one that she loves. 
she had an epiphany that he would be in the garden tending his flock. And she said, aha, I know where he is. And they've moved through their first disagreement, their first fight. If we have a conflict, and we will have conflict in marriage, and by the way, there's been people uh, in this congregation who've been giving us some feedback about the Song of Solomon, just so you guys know. Some people have said, uncomfortable but necessary. Some people have just said, uncomfortable, and they've left it at that. <laughs> some people have been rejoicing that we're teaching the Song of Solomon, and some people have actually said that they're having some good conversations with their spouse and others. And so this is a good place for us to be. To be uncomfortable is actually a stepping stone to being better. Anything that you do in life that's worthwhile, you're probably going to be uncomfortable. Whether it's a workout program, whether it's, you know, you want to do something that uh, maybe stretches you beyond uh, what you're comfortable with or what you're used to. If you want to make progress, you have to be uncomfortable for the moment. If you're comfortable with Bible teaching, you may want to uh, get into a harder book. I know for me, having taught the Bible now, this is my 30th year of teaching the Bible. Um, I love to delve into new territory and find new discoveries. And, and the Bible is full of that. That's the beauty of it. I could teach a book 17 different times and find new nuggets in it. But the Song of Solomon is still, for many of us, or most of us, relatively fresh content. Uh, maybe you read it before in your annual Bible reading, or maybe you've come across a couple chapters and you're like, eh, I think I'll go, <laughs> I'll go over to Matthew or something like that. But whatever it may be, it's beneficial. And so this couple coming off the heels of a fight, I entitled this Learning to Dance Again. Uh, I'm not much of a dancer. Oftentimes when I'm at weddings uh, and it comes to that time to dance, uh, I'm the, usually the preacher at the wedding. So, you know, when the preacher gets out on the dance floor, people have, there's, there's mixed responses to the preacher on the dance floor, especially if he can't dance. But oftentimes I'm there at a wedding with my own wife. And now as time has drawn gone by, you know how they do that thing. Couples have been married this many years, come out to the dance floor, and and all of a sudden, then they start to whittle it down. Okay, if you've been married over five years, over ten, and then there's the, you know, there's a handful of couples still uh, barely moving on the dance floor. No, I'm just kidding. And, uh, but we've become one of those couples now. At the last wedding, I think we were, you know, one of the final, like, three or four couples standing because we've been married over three decades now. And I know that doesn't compare to some marriages that we may be well aware of. But nonetheless, I have found myself having conducted a wedding, presided over a wedding, taken a couple through the vows, been on a dance floor and looked into my bride's eyes and remembered our first dance. And I hope that we never get so stiff and crusty that we can't have a little fun and learn to dance again. Now, dancing may not be your thing. It's not necessarily my thing. But there's a beauty when you see two people come together in love and simply get face to face, maybe during a slow song, and just share a moment together. It's a very precious thing. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. What we really need is more monthly partners so the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener-supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. Now back to the Walk in Truth series called An Invitation to Intimacy. The subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples and may not be suitable for younger children. Here's Pastor Michael. But we've become one of those couples now. At the last wedding, I think we were, you know, one of the final like three or four couples standing because we've been married over three decades now. And I know that doesn't compare to some marriages that we may be well aware of, but Nonetheless, I have found myself having conducted a wedding, presided over a wedding, taken a couple through the vows, been on a dance floor and looked into my bride's eyes and remembered our first dance. And I hope that we never get so stiff and crusty that we can't have a little fun and learn to dance again. Now, dancing may not be your thing. It's not necessarily my thing. But there's a beauty when you see two people come together in love and simply get face to face, maybe during a slow song, and just share a moment together. It's a very precious thing. Well, we're going to see some of that imagery tonight. But first, as we jump into 6-4 of the Song of Solomon, He says to her, you are as beautiful. Beauty is celebrated all all over the Bible. If you were curious uh, of some names, Sarah is described as beautiful, Rebecca, Rachel, Abigail, and many others. So the Bible doesn't ignore beautiful um, people, or in this case, women that I just listed. He says to her, 6-4 of the song, you are as beautiful as Terza, Uh, Terza actually means beautiful or pleasing, my darling, as lovely as Jerusalem, as awesome as an army with banners. So they are now reunited after conflict. This is a time to kiss and make up. And can you see what he does right from the beginning, right from Jump Street, if you will? He calls her beautiful. He says, you're my darling. You are my love. Terza... And then, of course, Jerusalem. Terza became later, under uh, one of the kings, the capital of the northern kingdom, so northern Israel. And Jerusalem was the capital of the Holy Land, and it was the city of the great king. And these two cities were city centers or capitals. And I think this is what he's saying to her. You, my love, are the center of my world. You are everything to me. When we're working our way back from conflict, 
Let's say that we've hurt each other. Let's say that we've said some things that we regretted. One thing we need to do, and I'm going to give you some R words tonight, is reassure. We need to give our spouse reassurance. And so I think that's part of what he's doing by using Terza, verse 4, and Jerusalem, is he is saying to her, you are the center of my world. You are the most important thing to me. Psalm 48, verse 2 says, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. Psalm 50, verse 2 says, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shown forth. When pilgrims go to Israel and they get to stand on the Mount of Olives and they look to the Temple Mount, is an exhilarating moment to see the holy city, the city of Jerusalem, the city of the great king. And he says to her, this is what you are like to me. You're, you're, uh, you are like the one who shines forth with the, the glitter of Solomon's temple, if you will, with the, the worship of the living God, with the beauty of holiness. He even mentions an army. If you look at the end of verse four, you as, you're as awesome as an army with banners. When an army marches and uh, it fights under the banners of its God, it would carry a flag, and that flag would depict the deity. In the case of Israel, they fought behind the ark of God. And so they would uh, let the ark lead the way, if you will, let the priests lead the way, like they did crossing the Jordan into the promised land. And so the lesson may be simply this. We need to say to our spouse, after we've blown it, you are the most important thing in my life and we need to build them back up because we've probably hurt them. I will often say to couples at wedding ceremonies, there's no one who can love you more than your spouse and there's no one who, that can hurt you more. And if we have hurt our spouse, one of the best things that we can do is try to reassure them with our words. And it would be better if we never spoke the words in the first place. Amen? But none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. James 3 says that there's no one who always controls his tongue or never makes a mistake in this area. And we all know it well, too well. On a spiritual plane, I would say this. Oh, that the world would see the beautiful, transformative work of the Lord in my life. That I would respond to the Lord in such a way that he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That we, the church, would be that shining city on a hill. That's what Jesus said we would be as we walked with him. We would be a light to the world. And oh, that we would be those who are wrapped in the beauty of God, in the banner of the Lord, we fight under the Lord's banner. The Lord is my banner. That's what Israel did in Exodus 17. They fought under the banner of the Lord. The Lord is the one who holds me together. Remember, I said to you that banner could be understood, if you remember, way back in Exodus 17, the Lord is the one I lean on. And you can go back maybe to the image once again of the dance. And so he says to her, look, honey, I love you. Let's... Let's dance again. He says, turn your eyes away from me, verse 5, for they have confused me or overwhelmed me, ESV, NIV. I, I'm overcome or overpowered by them, new living. 
Your hair is like a flock of goats. We've seen this before. They've descended from Gilead. Now, we've learned that the idea of the hair coming down is a provocative statement. But one thing that the bridegroom says to the bride or Solomon to the Shulamite woman, he says, you turn your eyes away from me. What does that mean? That means that her eyes are fixed on him and that she's overwhelmed by his love. I want you to see what's happening here. He's telling her, you are beautiful. You are my world. You are everything to me. And his words have captivated her eyes. Her eyes are fixed on him because he is speaking words of love. Have you noticed that if someone gets beat up enough, their eyes will turn away from everything. They will spend their life looking down or looking away. But when someone speaks words of love to us, it enraptures or engages our eyes because our eyes are indeed the windows to our soul. Her response to his loving goodness is a deep attraction that she has. And you could even say that she has bedroom eyes because she's enthralled with his uh, descriptions of her and his love for her. He has her full attention. His words are touching and deep. And from what we can see so far, he hasn't even touched her. But there's a way to touch someone with our words. There's a way to get to their heart and bring healing. You've been listening to Time to Dance Again, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon, Chapter 6, Verse 4 to Chapter 7, Verse 10. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And could you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? The same if you're listening on podcast, please click the share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then our hope is they'll do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. You know, marriages um, have ebbs and flows, and I would say this too, if we're going to be honest, our walk with the Lord does at times. There's times when we feel an overwhelming sense of love and gratitude, and it seems like the, the life of the Spirit is bubbling over. And then there's times when we feel dry, distant. Maybe God even feels distant from us. Maybe we even want to throw in the towel. It's true. One of our great temptations in the Christian life is to give up. And there are a lot of people who often feel like throwing in the towel in their marriage. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've made a pronouncement. I'm done. You know, I heard someone once say, and I would say this uh, to any married couple, if you've been bringing up divorce and arguments, that is a huge mistake. The D word should be off limits because you made a covenant. You made a covenant to love that person And yes, it's true. You're going to have ebbs and flows. You're going to have times when you feel really close to that person and times when you feel distant. And it's true in your spiritual life too. What do you do in your spiritual life when you feel distant? You get back close to God. How do you do that? You draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. Book of James says that. So when it comes to your marriage, maybe you need to be proactive. And you may say, well, I'm not getting anything back. It doesn't matter. Because if you love someone well, 
they will begin eventually to reciprocate. And even if they don't, you're called to love. You see, we need to learn to dance again. And sometimes romance uh, has fizzled. And maybe that's you. And you're like, well, how do we get it back? Well, if you keep doing what you've been doing now, (laughs) you're not going to. But if you say, honey, you know what? I want want us to be close again and I'm going to do my part. Maybe you don't even need to make a pronouncement. Maybe you just do it by your actions. You change it up. You bring flowers when a national holiday doesn't require it of you. You become chivalrous again. Maybe you go out on a date night and you bring a flower behind your back and surprise her with some romance. There's many different things you can do to get creative if you decide to. And that would be my encouragement. Again, if we can help you in any way, reach out to us at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. So glad you've been with us right here on Walk in Truth for the Song of Solomon. Hey, I pray you have a fantastic weekend as you walk with the Lord in spirit and in truth and experience his love and his joy. May it be yours in full. We'll see you next time. God bless. And as always, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. If you're a longtime listener, please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with some of the -the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for just $5 a month. And visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us Monday for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 4, to chapter 7, verse 10, called Time to Dance Again. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.